Hi, and welcome to In Gear, a podcast about marketing, marketing technology, and really anything else that comes up in conversation. In Gear is produced by Message Gears, a customer marketing technology provider serving radically different software used by the world's largest brands. We hope you enjoy the show. Here are your hosts, India Waters and Nick Zeke Lopez. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of In Gear, Message Gear's only podcast hosted by myself, Nick Zeke Lopez, and Indy Waters. India, how are you today? I'm doing well. I've got a, uh, I was going to say a bevy of beverages. Is that a word? I've got a lot of beverages here with me. Yeah. Uh, four, to be exact. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I'm yeah, you look, you look like that one girl from Signs who just uh, doesn't want to uh, finish her, her glass of water. Uh, so if the aliens ever come, you, you are going to you're going to be our uh, savior. Um, today on the, on the podcast, we have uh, CEO uh, of, of Frazy, Perry Malm. Perry, how's it going? Yeah, real good. Thanks. Uh, now, Perry, you, your name is spelled Perry with an A as in some how you would fend off a sword attack. Do you find yourself fending off more sword attacks than I think the average person? Well, it's never really come to that, to be honest. I won my last fight by like three and a half miles. So they never really <laughs> Yeah, you either got to run faster or hit harder, right? And if you can run faster, you're better. Um, yeah, what's, what's super weird though, like like I, I, I grew up in Canada, right? And like everybody would spell my name wrong. They'd spell it with an E, right? They go, oh, Perry, Perry. But then I moved to the UK like 15 years ago, yeah? And the way that they pronounce my name here is different. It's like a Perry versus a Perry or something. I don't know. They're They're weird. But like... So here it never gets misspelled. Whereas if I'm stateside in Canada, it gets me. And the story of my life was me ruining the day my parents misspelled my name on the birth certificate. Would you say that the pronunciation and spelling of your name has a great deal to do with which country you moved to? Was was that was that a deciding factor for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I basically said I've had it with these North American plebs. I want my name to be pronounced correctly, so I came here. Yeah, the- moved. Move, move to move to the UK just so they say my name funny. Uh, well, so so we mentioned you're born in Canada, you know, living in the UK. Could you give us a quick background? You know, where did you come from? Uh, how did you get to where you are today? Um, and then could you tell us a little bit about Frazy? Well, it was a, a dark and stormy night many <laughs> moons ago on the mean streets of the suburbs of Vancouver. Um, no, I mean, I, I moved to the UK, what was it, 15 years ago, and I, and I worked um, brand side, and I wound up doing digital marketing brand side for, I think, five or six years and so forth. And, I, and, and you know, I did, like, back then, this was like the mid-2000s, right? Um, your, your sort of options were a little bit more limited than they are these days. You know, you could do a little bit of digital advertising, a little bit, I mean, Google advertising was in its infancy. This was pre-Facebook, pre-YouTube, you know YouTube, that stuff. Um, so, a lot of it fell within email. And like back then, man, we used to pay um, five pence for every email we sent out. And we used to think that that was a good deal because it was cheaper than a stamp. And that was the sort of pricing matrix. Like, like now that's like like five pound a thousand. Imagine a customer paying that. I mean, you, yeah. you guys would be on a, a beach right now with your feet up, right? But I'll, then, I'll, say, I'll, say, I'll say comparing the price of an email to stamp is almost like, uh, like how they, they measure the space shuttles and horsepower. Like that's just a poor comparison now. Like we need to change the comparison. Yeah, but but back then, man, like like it was cool. And I saw what the sort of effectiveness of it was. So I worked for you know a couple of different brands there and did a bunch of stuff and 
like one thing that I did is I, I did, you know, lots of, of testing of stuff, right. Where, you know, we'd send out millions of emails to millions of people and I'd, you know, have my team test out a bunch of stuff to see like, like what worked. And it was always a sort of intellectual problem of mine where I wanted to like build a model that could predict what to test out and then learn from those test results and blah, blah, blah. And I, I couldn't do it. I mean, you know, I was playing with Excel and a little bit of like SPSS and so I, I just couldn't do it. So then um, I joined one of our vendors who is a, a UK ESP back in the day. Um, and I started, you know, um, I, I, I started there. I wound up running the, um, the uh, customer book, right? So I went, like I fanned about the world talking to hundreds of marketers about stuff. And like every single one would ask me like, hey, what, what makes a good subject line? And like the first time I heard it, I'm like, oh, it's a, just try out a bunch of stuff and see what works. And I kept on getting asked it over and over and over. And I'm like, if everybody is asking this, but there's literally like no products on the market that can solve or satisfy this obvious demand that exists in, in the marketplace, then, you know, that's when I had that uh, light bulb moment. The, and I thought to myself, well, there might be a bit of a business here. So I got together with, um, with a guy who I studied computer science with in Canada back in the 90s. And we, we, are, we were going for a few pints in Camden Town in, in London. He was, you know, telling him about the stuff he did. So like he, he, he left uni and he went to do his PhD in AI and stuff like that. And we just got talking about stuff. And I told him about this like market I saw. And I wasn't quite sure what the product was, but I knew that there was a market there. And by about the fifth or sixth beer, we decided to start a business. Um, we, we brought on a third founder, a lady called Victoria, um, who, who joined us a couple of months after, uh, and Frazy was born. So what Frazy effectively does um, is we generate an optimized language um, that brands use in their online marketing campaigns to uh, turn, turn clicks into customers. The best way to think of this, if you get you know emails or push messages, SMSs, get served ads, by the likes of, you know, eBay, uh, Groupon, Domino's, you know, big brands like that, um, then you've experienced crazy technology without knowing it. And you know what? You've probably bought something as a direct result of the optimized language that the Frazy platform generates. And uh, I guess I should say you're welcome. <laughs> you should say you're welcome. That's the exact right uh, response there. Uh, I would say nearly, uh, nearly every listener uh, will have been affected in some way. Um, well, and, yeah, and, and, I love getting influenced to buy something through an email or however. I like when I'm looking for something to buy, I just talk to my phone. I'm like, I'm looking for a floral dress. I'm looking for a floral dress and hope that some somebody will influence me and it'll just come to my email. Well, look, um, what, what everybody talks about these days is they talk about the right person, the right message, the right time. So the right person problem. Uh, I wouldn't say it's been solved, but it has been researched deeply. There's 101 companies out there that do personalization, segmentation, stuff like that. Like there are, you know, it's a well-researched, well-capitalized problem. The right time, well, that's what APIs do. You know, you can trigger out messages at the snap of fingers and you can get, you know, that message right in a person's inbox, right? But the right message has been forgotten. It's, 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 the, it's the redheaded stepchild stuck in the closet downstairs in the basement of the marketing world because it's a hard problem. So we've spent so much time the last 10, 15 years focusing on the right person and the right time. We've forgotten about the right message. This is the exact problem that Frazy solves. I love that. And and as a, you were speaking from experience where you, I, I see you have red hair. Yeah, for the listeners out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I so 
when I'm in the UK, I get called a ginger. When I'm in Canada, I get called strawberry blonde. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I just think people in the UK are, are just incredibly biased towards people with red hair. And you know what? It's about time that stopped. You know what? I think it's a trade-off, right? Either they get your name right and they're biased against your red hair or, or they get your name wrong and they don't care. Um, Mon frere. like me meant to be. I'm going to have to leave the UK now. Where am I going to go next? Oh, there's a Atlanta, whole Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> yes, Atlanta, Georgia. Come on, come on down to us. Yeah, no, you know, I, I think it's really interesting the idea that you know the right message hasn't been you know we say figured out yet. Um, can you tell us a little bit? So the idea is, uh, as I understand behind Frazy, is okay. You've got artificial intelligence. You can use what we understand about what you do or who you are as a person. And we're going to try to put the right mixture of words there, right? Um, can you tell us a little bit about how the product has changed over time, things that have worked, things that haven't worked, or, or, or particularly how you got, got to where you are as, a, as an evolving product and platform today? Sure, yeah. Well, like, like I mean, the best way to, to think about Frazy is, is we've, we've got what we call the Frazy brain, and, 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 and there's sort of three composite parts to it. So the first of which is the ability to generate uh, fluent human sounding language, which is actually much more of a challenging problem than folks think. So like, let's say that, you know, we, we got to send out an, an email, we're a shoe company, we got to like send out a message saying like shoes are half off, right? Now, how many ways do you think you can say shoes are half off? Well, it doesn't matter what you actually think. I'm going to tell you the answer. The answer is billions. Like there's billions and billions of ways of saying that, you know, you can bring in different words, different structures, different syntaxes, different emojis, stuff like that. So humans um, trying to, to, to say the same thing in a multitude of ways to explore the entire variant space, which exists, humans are just, our brains are not set up to do things at that scale, right? So generating that stuff is a problem that's well served by some, some state-of-the-art AI. But simply generating a bunch of stuff um, isn't good enough. What you need to do is then predict the performance of that language. And that's where the second part of the brain, our deep learning engine, comes into play, where the input is a whole bunch of language that's never been seen before, and the output is a predicted performance ranking, right? And, uh, and, and, and our tests have shown throughout the years, we've done this hundreds of thousands of times, um, that it can outperform even the smartest Don Draper on the planet. Um, by an order of magnitude. So then the third part of the brain is, is optimizing um, the uh, experimentation methodology. So what a lot of people do when they split tests is they'll just, you know, um, split things into groups of 500, click the launch button, winner gets everything else. And the thing is, that's, that's um, not only is that statistically in robust, um, it's inefficient also. So we built a product called Frazy X, which uses um, states, state-of-the-art optimization techniques um, to then improve language uh, in real time. So when you combine all three of those things, what you get is something that can write more expansively than humans, can predict what's going to work better than humans, all optimizing it within real time. This has happened over six and a half years. When we first started, um, we, 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 like, most of the technology which we're using these days wasn't even possible six and a half years ago. I mean, the the the, the deep learning libraries which we're using now, um, you know, like TensorFlow, Keras, stuff like that, didn't even exist in 2015 when Frazy first started. So, like the um, product, you know, we've we've like 
in the last year, we've, we've, we've tripled the size of our product team. So there's so much more we can do, which we're now doing. So, I mean, the, the phrase you see now is, is totally different to the phrase you six and a half years ago. And the phrase you see in six and a half years is going to be totally different to the one you see now. You touch on a really interesting point, and it's kind of the hotspot right now of like, you know, machine, supervised and unsupervised machine learning, um, uh, AI, uh, that, you know, that idea, right, uh, of what it does and, and how it's created. But you're basically taking, you know, uh, non-human or like non-carbon based entities and, 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 and making uh, copy subject lines, you know, creative and all of that. Um, like you said, the space is exploding. My, a question I'm interested in, um, just for the first is, you know, Almost, I would say the definitely not a dilemma, but the the ethics behind when you have people that are not humans controlling the message, right? Now, you guys absolutely have guardrails. You have so much. I'd like to hear more about that. But can you tell me a little bit about either what you've run into, what you've done as a brand, or or how you draw the line of people should be in control of X, but we should let, like you said, the model, which can look at a lot of the, the billions of ways and and of, of things can be expressed, should do Y. Do, where do you draw the line, and and, and how have you you determine that? Yeah. So, so first of all, let me just um, disambiguate a couple of terms which you use or used um, uh, supervised and unsupervised AI. Now, just to just to clarify what those two terms mean, supervised does not mean that a human is looking at at outputs, and and unsupervised does not mean that a human is not. That's just different. Um, uh, that's that's ways to like apply statistical learning to data sets in different ways. Supervised means that you've got a mapping of X to Y. Unsupervised means that you don't have, have that existing mapping, but mm -hmm. it's nothing to do with, with human oversight whatsoever. Yeah. Now, back to your main question. Um, so if, if you leave um, AI without any uh, uh, human driven ethical principles overlaid into it, you run into um, problems. We have a term AI. If you leave it with no oversight whatsoever, the way to think about it is this. I've got a crazy uncle and, and, and he, he used to have cats when I was growing up. And he used to spend hours and hours and hours trying to train his cat how to shit in the toilet. And he he would spend hours and he'd like do all this sort of um, sophisticated cat training stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, like most of the time the cat would get it right into the toilet, but every once in a while it wouldn't. And he'd wake up and he'd find a big turd on, on the floor. That's what AI is like. If you don't have human guardrails surrounding it, it'll appear to be working most of the time until it doesn't. And when it doesn't, you got to pick up that turd and deal with it. So the way that we deal with it with with Frazy is that we we have you know human driven guardrails both at the point of input and the point of, of output at, at the point of, of input you know we build language models on a brand to brand basis and these language models generate the language we basically define what the guardrails are and we've got an entire team of linguists who um, fastidiously uh, define and test those guardrails so that any data going into the model in the first place is not offside but then. Um, at the the output layer, so like what they what what fancy types call surface realization. That's once you get the actual data out there and stuff, right? Um, then we've actually got customer side um, users who then approve or reject language once it's generated. Now the rejection rate is very very low, but by virtue of having both the front end and the back end guardrails, it minimizes um, the the probability of um, 
you know, I wouldn't say offside language. We've got word filters. So you won't get any like racial terms and stuff like that. Right. But it's going to be more like stuff that is um, not accurate, stuff that has hallucinated facts, um, things that are uh, misleading, you know, by by virtue of, of cutting it off in the past at the word go or at the surface realization layer, the probability of that effectively approaches zero. And, uh, you know, just to your example, uh, we were talking earlier, you have two young children, I have one. And so the teaching, the, the teaching the toilet thing could easily apply not to cats at all, but but maybe upcoming in your, your both of our lives, <laughs> um, which uh, having ones in diapers, I see where that goes askew almost all the time. Oh, and, 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 and what blows me away this is totally off topic, but the amount of waste that is generated through diapers. We, we, we use like normal diapers with our first kid and the amount of like diaper waste it, it, it created, it was just making us six. We wound up going reusable. Yeah. Now, we're, now I do a lot more laundry, but at least we're not like filling our landfills with plastic diapers that won't biodegrade for my kids, 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 you know, I don't know. Yeah. We are, we are also a uh, cloth diaper family and, uh, and, and I would not mind if we want to pivot and make this a cloth diaper themed podcast, because I will sing the praises with things like diaper rash and the, the, the cleaning. It's you, you just don't have as many issues. I'm a huge fan. Totally, man. Totally. I just, it's, it's crazy. It's this whole diaper industrial complex has conditioned us to fill landfills with poop. Yeah. Wait, and don't you have some sort of service, Nick, that like also comes and picks up these, this, the, the poop. We're back uh, to poop. I, I, we hey we're back to it all comes back yes uh no it's really cool uh it's about a few blocks away um and what they do is they drop off a bag of clean ones at the beginning of the week and then you put the dirty ones outside and then they give you more clean ones uh it's really nice that sounds way better than my my method which is uh wash our diapers and then dry them well, and I'll say the way that we uh, justify it is the water costs in India. You know this: the water costs in Atlanta are weirdly high. You would not expect water to be as expensive. Water is worth is sometimes cost more than like other like internet here, and I'm not joking. Um, and so the way we justify it is: well, we we couldn't possibly use all that water; we'd go broke. <laughs> they, they they probably have a scale thing there, or uh, uh, at least some other chemical diapers. Um, uh, the service that sounds like the next bubble. Screw I, I think you've got a next company on your hands, Perry. Like this is, you're just going to pivot from uh crazy right into diapers. Yeah. First, first we have to get six pints at the pub. I thought it was seven. No, we'll make it seven for this one. I, I lost count. I'm a cheap drunk. So. Yeah, I think I I think I met you when I met you in person at the Movable Inc. Uh, summit like two years ago. Yeah, it was like we were two drinks in. You were like, yes, let's go. And then that's when you have to realize that your name is just one letter away from the word party. So, <laughs> Well, the according to the, to the iPhone, half the time it is party. Because it always auto-corrects to party for some reason. I gotten so many texts throughout the years going, hey, party, how's it going? I'm like, well, it's, it's better than Perry with an E, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> But it auto-corrects more to party when you're in Canada for some reason. Like, we don't know why. <laughs> Another reason why I left, tell you. Canada's overrated. <laughs> oh, can we go? We, that might actually be the intro. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just like thinking about, like, obviously seeing how much you've put in thought to, like, putting these guardrails and understanding, like, uh, 
you know, how this like AI is going to power your, your technology. I think it's a good segue into something that I'm super interested in. And I think a lot about at message gears is like just meeting you and like the people that you work with and the whole company of crazy, like the company culture there is like tangible. It's so powerful. And I think it shows in the way, like we were saying, just sort of in their ethics of your, the way that you use your AI and build your company. Like, can you tell us a little bit about like how you kind of have been able to cultivate this amazing company culture at Frazee? Um, Cause we're, we want to do it more at message gears. And, well, and I think we're doing a even, pretty good job. Well, I think, I think we're doing a great job. But, yeah, but how would you define, job. if you had to, how would you define Frazee's company culture? Just to start, can, can you give us a, a one or two liner? That's optimized by Frazee technology. <laughs> <laughs> There's billions of ways you could say it. Mm-hmm. So if I like, like we, we recently went through a exercise, like codify our, our values or something. I, I'm not usually a big fan of going like, you know, here are our values. I worked at one place where we had um, the values of mutual respect and integrity. And the thing is like, nobody respected each other there and they were all scumbags. So it was like just words. Right. But we, <laughs> we, we sort of, you know, um, spoke to the team, like, you know, interrogated what, what really drove us. We came up with big ideas, fast and fun. Um, cause like really, you know, what, like, like people at Frazy, they're, they, they tend to be rather ambitious folk and they, and they join Frazy cause they're excited by doing something different. I mean, there's, there's no like, like pure play technology that compares with Frazy that hits, you know, all three of those facets of, of the frazy brain. I mean, some purport to, but they just don't when you get down to brass tacks, right? So people who join frazy, like they need to have the belief in those big ideas. They need to come up with the next big idea themselves. Um, and then doing things fast. I mean, I'm just, I'm fundamentally impatient. Maybe that's, you know, why I've gone down the career path I've, I've, I've gone down, but like, why do tomorrow what you can do right now, you know? But then ultimately it's about having fun, right? Like, like, man, it, it wouldn't be hard to like, like start a business and be all focused on like nothing but the numbers and the spreadsheet and just create a dire place to work. I've worked in those places, man. And like, if you're not having fun, then why are you doing it? You know, you can maybe make a bunch of money, but it's like, you're going to be miserable. You're going to make people's lives super miserable and stuff. But like, really, I think, you know, like, so, so crazy in the last year, we've, we've doubled in size as far as headcount goes and we've like like we've um this time last year two percent of our workforce was in the u.s now like 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 up until the um um end of last month at least probably even higher now 26 percent are are in in the u.s like we're going through like this like rocket ship hockey stick kind of growth like we're not quite dogecoin but you know we're, we're getting there slowly but surely um which is cool right and like my big belief about culture is like, you can, you can try to force it and you can try to make culture in a certain way. Um, but it's, it's an organic thing, right? Where, where Frazee's culture is defined by its people, not by my leadership, not by like, like my, my um, C-suite's leadership It's defined by the actual people who are doing the, the hard work. And like, they're, they're the ones who like, hold each other to account. They're, they're the ones who come up with the big ideas, who, who focus on getting things done fast. They're the ones who focus on having fun. Like, and like, so here's, here's one like, like big sort of prideful example I got about Frazee's culture. And this is a bit of a, 
sort of like tearjerker one, to be honest. But like, so when when coronavirus hit, like what a year and a bit ago, like every company on the planet, we we down forecasted everywhere, and we were, you know, we we were looking at like like do we need to cut costs? We took out the old red pen to the forecast. We're like, oh my god, what's what's going to happen? And like like I mean, we we went through all the various scenarios, right? Going like, are we going to need to like lay lay people off? And the the financially prudent thing would have been to like let go a bunch of people, you know, because the the first cut is the deepest cut. It that has the biggest compound effect um, during recessions, downturns, stuff like that. But like, I basically sat there and I and I, and I thought to myself, you know, at that point we had spent five years building this team. And like, I've been at places that have downsized, you know, I, I've never been downsized personally, but I've been at places where my friends and colleagues have been downsized and it just ruins morale. It just makes people feel like crap, makes people feel nervous, makes them resentful. And, and I'm like, I don't really want to do that, but we had to do something because the, because the numbers weren't like, like our forecasts weren't looking good. Now I'll touch on why I was um, overly pessimistic in just a second, but so we, we have a monthly town hall where I basically give a little update to the business about what's going on and stuff. And so I basically went to them and I said, listen, guys, we got two options, right? Option one is I got to make a bunch of cuts and we're going to need to let go a bunch of people. And I don't want to do it, but like you all know, like the, the situation the, the world's in. Option two is for the next three months, all of us, including me, um, take a, a salary cut. And, 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 and we take it for three months. Um, and like, like me, me, I took, um, 30, uh, I got the managers to take 20 and, and, and the individual contributors to take 10. Right. And I basically said, we'll do this for like three months. Um, and we'll reassess them. Now I basically said, you know, and we can only do this if everybody agrees to it. Option two is we all keep our, our full salaries, but some people get let go. And I put it to a vote. And the entire team unanimously um, said, let's unanimously. take a salary cut. Um, and every single one, you know, took a sacrifice off their own back for, for the greater good. I was super proud of them. Now, the nice part and the climax to um, that story, right, is uh, I think that was in, we started that in May. By July, things were flying. Like we were signing up customers. We were actually doing really well. Um, we, we defied all of the logic. And so then I basically said, you know what, guys, you guys have done a good thing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take your salary sacrifice, add a 20% bump on it, and I'm going to pay you back um, in equal installments across the next 12 months. And so all of those people who sacrifice are now getting their, their money back plus a 20 bump on top. Um, and, you know, I, I had to spread the cost out because it's prudent too and stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's only because they all sacrifice and they're all sort of committed to the cause that it put me in a spot where I could actually do something cool like that, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's a wonderful story. I'm so glad we have captured it here. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's incredible. Uh, unanimously. Um, yeah. I, I would have loved to meet the one per I would have, I wish, I wish the, the truth you're like, and everybody except one person who we later found out said, <laughs> Well, if that one person did say it, they did not make themselves known to me or anyone else because because uh, the um, payroll line in the spreadsheet doesn't lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you're kind of talking about that and saying that, like, of course, it's like the people 
are the culture for sure. And I think it just leads me to be like, think about, you know, when we are hiring people at message years, um, I know like Nick did this on his team. Like we're not on the same team, but he'd be like, Hey, can you pop in here really quick and just like meet this person? And I really try to like bring in some like plain, not normal interview questions. Um, you know, like very similar to your upcoming lightning round. Yes, exactly. I was just going to say that. (laughs) Um, but do you ever ask any, um, have any like in the bag weird questions you ask during an interview process? <laughs> no, so I, I, I understand how in- interviews need to happen, um, but I just think the entire process is inefficient and and wrought with um, with with bias, like unconscious bias, right? Where like you basically meet someone for the first time. And you, you make your mind up real quick if you like them or don't like them. Um, and then your choice is based upon that. And you're unconsciously then like willing them to give a good answer or a bad answer based upon that sort of heuristic, which you've generated up front. Um, what, what we've, we've gone much more towards is like, like the, the sort of first screen is like a, a sort of like um, company fit thing. And the general rule around that is Frazee has a one in a hundred asshole policy. And unfortunately, that rule is already taken by me, um, and we're <laughs> not quite at a hundred people, so we can't hire a second one. So that's the sort of first, first thing, right? Um, but then we've really erred towards like like more sort of aptitude based stuff. So like um, our 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 VP of people has a fancy word for it. It's like like um, not skill testing, but it's like a like like put them in a real world s- scenario and and see how they 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 actually roll with it. Um, cause basically, you know, like I, I would much rather hire somebody who's like enthusiastic, but needs a bit of training than somebody who doesn't need any training, but is a wet blanket, you know, you get free work out of people. Right. Cause that, that, that's like weeks where you're like, what's your aptitude test? And, uh, no, <laughs> no I, I like to think about the real world, uh, scenario you drop them in. Um, in my mind, it has something to do with Dollywood. For some reason, yeah. Like, where, what? For, what's your first ride that you're going to at Dollywood? Or are you not going to a ride? Are you going to her, the recreation of her childhood home and you're checking it out? I don't know. My, my, I go to the the, the Dippin' Dots station. I think Dippin' that Dollywood was the first place where Dippin' Dots were widely sold. So that's me. Wow. Unfortunately, wow. I've never had the pleasure of going to uh, Dollywood, but one day, one day, yeah, you're you're gonna fulfill your wife's dream of going to Dollywood. Yeah. Uh, one day. But have you had Dippin' Dots though? You are, you might as well be speaking Greek right now. I got no idea. What? Perry, the ice cream of the future? Perry. Oh my <laughs> God. You have a minor lived. league baseball game. Um, I, no. I'm, I'm a baseball guy. I'm still a bit sore at the um, Atlanta Braves for what was it? The Braves or the Phillies? There was one team. Remember in the early '90s, where where the Blue Jays were in the World Series two straight years, right? And they played. I think it was Atlanta '92 and Philadelphia '93. It was Philadelphia, where the first game in Philly, um, the they they carried in the Canadian flag into the stadium for the national anthems. They carried it in upside down. Oh no! And I was just like that's not cool guys. Come on. You know, it's the world series, right? And it just so happens that a whole bunch of Americans are playing for a Canadian team. Come on. You know, it's okay. Well, listen on a big tree, the lower branches, some of the, the leaves face down. 
And so it's hard to tell which way is up when your flag has a leaf on it. It's true. Well, I I, I have heard that the um the what is Fulton County Stadium there, right? I I've heard that that that's that's a pretty good night out. I've been to a lot of baseball games throughout the state. I think the best one I've been to was in Oakland. It's a real shame to hear that they might be losing that team. But anyways, different topic. Moneyball. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd love to know what you do uh, on a 3-0 pitch if a position player is, is in the game. and Because uh, that's quite the crisis right now, what happened the other day. Um, it, it, but, but, but that's, again, that's, that's an entirely other... I'll add that into the lightning round if we can. But, um, but, but before we get into the lightning round, um, uh, I, I just want to say, uh, could you give us a little bit of the idea of, like you said, the phrase of today is so much different than the phrase of five, six years ago. And the phrase of, of tomorrow is going to be so much different. Can you give us a sneak peek of where you think the phrase of tomorrow or generally the industry of, uh, you know, uh, art, you know, artificial intelligence and, and assisted uh, creative content is going? Uh, uh, where do you think it's headed? Well, look, I can tell you like, like, like where, where phrase is aiming towards, you know, our, our vision from day one has been to say it better. We want to help people say it better. And our go-to-market right now is with um, uh, like large B2C brands. Um, but I think, you know, in, in the future, we'll, you know, extend that further down into the, to the mid-market SMB area, um, enter new verticals um, and new marketing channels and so forth. But I'm always loath to prognosticate too far into the future because six and a half years ago, if you had asked me, you know, about Frazee's tech and where it's going and stuff, Half the tech we use these days didn't exist six and a half years ago. Um, and the tech we're going to use in six and a half more years, it doesn't exist right now. Um, what, what I do know is that we, we spend a lot of time, uh, a lot of resource, a lot of effort uh, researching like what the state of the art is and what's coming next. Um, we've got an, an entire, you know, like pure play research team where their job is not to build products. Their, their job is to research stuff and figure out, you know, what the latest and greatest tips, tricks, and techniques coming out of, you know, academia and, 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 and research houses are. And I think like, like by, by virtue of, you know, staying up to the minute with that stuff, it affords us the, the chance to be first to market with kick-ass tech as we always have been. I mean, I really appreciate that. I would say, I, I think it's corny to say it's a nuanced answer, um, but especially in the space that you, get, that you guys are in, it is hard to say. I was hoping you were going to talk more about robots, but that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad you didn't. My eyes would glaze over. <laughs> I, I, I literally know so little about robots. It's It's... Although during during lockdown, um, like my my um, wife gave birth a couple of weeks ago, but she was you know pregnant of course for like nine and a half months or something, and she was really tired all the time. So like she go to bed at like like eight p.m. and ought to have time to kill. And like like most people, you know, I finished every streaming service. Like I was literally like scraping the bottom of the barrel, watching like like twenty part documentaries about a guy tying his shoes. And I'm like, okay, I need a hobby. So I, I decided like, like I'm, I'm a tech guy to the extent that, you know, I'm more of a product guy, but I don't know the sort of ins and outs of tech, but I decided to um, teach myself how to build like, you know, reasonably sophisticated machine learning models. So um, I, I taught myself to um, build a whole, whole bunch of models um, on a very important topic. 
uh, fantasy Premier League. It's fantasy soccer. And, uh, and I'm pleased to announce that I now have what I believe to be a world-leading predictive model for uh, fantasy Premier League. Um, so that's been an exciting journey for nobody except me. I mean, that sounds like your next business. Yeah. Jose, are we talking about sports betting here? Are we? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've basically done it. Because, like, last year, I was absolutely – because I, I don't know anything about, um, like, English football. And I don't want to learn. I mean, I don't want to spend my waking hours watching, like, West Ham and West Brom play to a nil-nil draw. Like, that That sounds terrible, right? See, see this is the North American in you. You, you get it. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I, I joined a league last year with some buddies and I finished dead last. And so they, they named the, the new league this year. They named it Perry came last. So I thought to myself, like, I can't I can't go through this again unless I, I, I got an edge. And I'm never going to know about like like if if Gary Lineker sneezed on Gary Neville's big toe. So he's going to score 20 goals or like I don't want to learn about that. But. I am better at math than like all of those reprobates. So I'm pleased to announce that now I'm second. Hey, a worse to second, respectable, very respectable. Uh, yeah. And 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 by the way, is that what they're going to rename the league to? Harry uh, Perry came in second last year. Uh, well, that remains to be seen. We we have not discussed the league naming taxonomy yet, but I will put in a vote for that. Great. And also, I just feel like they could have used Frazy to come up with a better uh, name for the league. <laughs> this, yeah, but take the guardrails off. No, to, no yeah. none of the yeah, none of like we the family friendly, just yeah. as as weird as you want to get. How do you say? Honestly, it could have just been like sometimes the cat misses. <laughs> yeah, well, sadly, um, or happily, I'm not sure which. Um, Fantasy sports on your side of the ocean and my side, it's not about the fantasy sports. It's not about the sports. It's about ripping the piss out of friends, right? And that's what it's all about trash talk. So fair enough. Bring it on, boys. That's what I say. Um, I'm excited. This is actually going to be like kind of our first lightning round where we actually are coming up against the clock. So um, (laughs) we usually time these for no reason just other than to have a a sense of urgency. So I've got my timer up. Um, We're going to, I'm just going to ask you a series of questions. They literally have nothing to do with anything, but you just answer the first, the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, Starting with, oh wait, clock's on. We're going, starting. Um, Do you believe in ghosts? No. Favorite trash TV show? The Amazing Race. Love that show. Um, do you have your phone with you? What are your top three most used emojis? Uh, the rocket ship, the, uh, the, the barfing face, and then the eye roll face. Those all, those all describe Dogecoin. So, so that's exactly it. That's perfect. Um, what are three tabs open on your computer or phone right now? Let me have a look. This is going to sound really boring. I got, look, look at that. I got my, my uh, fantasy football team up here, which is very important. I got our, our hiring system, shows all the candidates and stuff. And then this is really boring. It's just a, a board pack PowerPoint. Perfect. Uh, I, I, I'm sort of like, lockdown has taught me that I'm bored of the internet. So I don't spend that much time on it, except for work. 
I, I, I love it. Um, all right, Canada or the UK? And I think we know the answer, actually. Uh, Canada for um, its sanity education system um, and, and general politeness. Uh, the UK for fun and pubs. Awesome. Uh, favorite sports team? Vancouver Canucks, baby. First or second kid, favorite? <laughs> None of the above. <laughs> And that's it. You made it in a minute and 30 seconds. <laughs> a minute 30. That's uh, that's one of our leading times. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually really, uh, I, I, I would say, first of all, the tabs, you sound like an executive. <laughs> Hiring the board, also fantasy football. Um, but then the idea, and I, I, I think this is something that not enough people talk about, and I hope is true. The idea that maybe the internet just isn't as fun as it was three or four years ago. And maybe now we're like going back to doing like very basic things. Like oh, I want to put together a bed is more fun than just being on the internet. Cause it's weird. Yeah, dude. Well, I've, I've started gardening. I got some nice uh, hydrangeas outside. Pretty good. Um, I, I, I just find like, especially in, so in, in, in the UK, it was all this stuff about Brexit. Um, in the U S it was all that stuff about the election, and the former president and stuff. And then globally it's been all this stuff about coronavirus. Like I'm just, I'm just tired of like bad news and of people who I don't care about, who I don't respect and their opinions. So I find like the less time I spend on social media, the less time that I read um, opinion pieces on like news sites and stuff, the, the more content I feel in life. I think I that's mean, a great thing to end on. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds like you get it. Yeah. Uh, to be honest. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time and talking with us uh, uh, today. This, this has been a blast. Um, and, and I will say the tangents were necessary uh, as well as they were good. Uh, it's cat poop and uh, the 1993 world series. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, any, any uh, parting thoughts before we go? No beauty. Thanks a lot for having us. Awesome. Yeah, Perry, it was really good to see you and thanks for coming on. Thank you. And, and for everybody listening at home, this has been in gear. Vroom, vroom. Sorry. What'd you say, Perry? Oh, I just said, hopefully we'll uh, see you in, in the flesh one day soon. I'm allowed uh, on a plane again. Yeah. I'm actually, if they'll let me in, I got a wedding in uh, the UK in September. So beauty. Well, look me yeah. up. I'll uh, take you to a couple of my favorite haunts. How's that sound? That sounds like I'm going to extend my trip and call it work. <laughs> oh, all right. Thank you so much, Perry. This has been so much fun. Great into your day. Great kind of start to our day. Right on. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. This has been In Gear, a podcast from Message Gears. Please make sure to subscribe so you can get the latest episodes delivered right to wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know how we're doing. We would love your feedback. Visit us at messagegears.com to learn more and to get in touch. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.